This is the Clutch Picks Sports Betting Podcast, NFL Picks Week 14. My name is Sheldon Alexander, and I'm joined by the scores lead betting analyst, Mr. Matt Russell. I gotta say, vibes, I feel like my vibes are high, you know, because seven and six week I'm gonna take. You know, as I said, we're climbing back. We're trying to get back to that respectable number of 52%, okay? Obviously, right? Obviously. We know how the wave's been moving the whole season. And as we try to climb back here, it's week 14. Last week, a seven and six week, bringing the total for the season to 98, 91, and four, okay? So we're climbing back in the right direction. I said the goal was to finish strong. We are doing that so far. So the vibes are high. Um, I know it's been a wild weekend for you with the college football stuff and the NFL stuff, a wild week in the NFL, of course, an insane week in college football. So how are you feeling as we head into this week 14 of the NFL season? Well, I'm good. Thank you for asking. Uh, Sunday was a little bit crazy, Um, I guess. You know, we can talk about it now. I am somewhat of a superstitious individual in that, like, um, you know, for two reasons. On on one side, I don't want to talk about like records and all that kind of stuff um, if they're really, really good, Mm because that's that's how you anger the the gambling gods, my friend. Uh, But I also, you know, when things aren't going that well, it's like, let's not talk too much about it because, you know, it's all about the process and you want to have sort of a larger sample size kind of going up, uh, you know, up through the season. Mm-hmm. So last week, we're going into last week, you know, for those who don't know, you know, I'm have long been a Las Vegas contest uh, competitor, but going back to the super contest days, my first year was so gosh, 2011, I think something along those lines. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing it for a really long time. And, you know, we're in the Circa, uh, Circa Sports uh, Million Contest, and they hand out a quarterly prize. And so, you know, over every four weeks of the season or, you know, four, five, four, five um, is how they break down the quarters. And through three weeks of the third quarter, we were 12 and three in that contest. And the quarterly prize for finishing first in a quarter is I have to double check it, but it's in the six figures. It's like one hundred thousand dollars. God damn. And, you know, you look at, you know, and you don't you never know, like what it's going to take to kind of win that quarter. And there's, you know, you get set, there's some, I think they pay like the top five in the quarter, um, including ties, right? So like, Mm -hmm. I go back and I look and I see the first quarter of the season, which is the other four quarter or four week quarter. And the winner was 17 and three for that quarter. And so I'm sitting there at 12 and three and I'm going, okay, like a five and a week puts us at 17 and three. And so if, you know, all quarters are equal, Mm -hmm. that would put us, you know, kind of in the running for first place. Just me, you know, unfortunately, that means we have to hit all five of, of the picks, um, which, you know, obviously not easy by any stretch of the imagination, but we literally went five and oh the week before. So it's like, oh, maybe we do it again. So on Sunday, you wake up and of course, there's all kinds of commotion going on with regards to the college football playoff and bowl games getting made and point spreads needing to be sort of projected before the market hits. And because you want to be on top of things when the market opens and, you know, and kind of know where the spreads are going. And of course, for the score, I've got an article to write on Monday about, you know, what the point spreads were supposed to be, what they uh, opened as and what they are and why that might be in sort of kind of the most brief way possible. So go over to the score and check that out if, you, if that's something that you're interested in. But I'm sitting there, well, it's like one o'clock. We've already got the, you know, the college football semifinals. And one of my plays is uh, Patriots plus five and a half. 
And just sitting there with that game and having to watch that game <laughs> in like a significant way, knowing that the handicap was correct. Like the, char- the Chargers aren't going to be able to move the ball against the Patriots defense. They're, they're going to barely going to be able to score. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in the contest, you can't take an under. And so you just go like six points, which is what I bet earlier this, you know, earlier in the week. So I guess, thank, I mean, not, I guess, but thankfully that pushed. But, you know, from a contest line standpoint, by the time the lines got opened, it was five, five and a half. Can't, you know, it doesn't really matter which one. Because both of those were losers because the <laughs> Patriots literally never scored a point. And like every time they got near a field goal or like there was a play, it was like, Oh, just a sprained ankle fumble for Ramondre Stevenson turnover. Oh, Devontae Parker makes a miracle long catch. His foot grazes out of bounds and they have to overturn that call. Right. And oh, uh, it's down six, nothing with 12 minutes to go. Belichick decides to go for it on fourth and five with Bailey bleeping zappy instead of kicking a field goal to make it six, three with a full 10 minutes left in a game where the chargers again, weren't able to move the football, their drives, their scoring drives were literally, I think 28 yards and seven yards, something along those lines, right? <laughs> like wh- why wouldn't you just try to kick the field goal? But I digress. And so the point is I'm watching that game and like, it's just literally like score any point, like any point that you can find, like, you know, if this is the CFL, we would just need a rouge, something along those lines. While that game is going on, uh, we've also got Denver plus three and a half. Oh. And it, right. And it's just like similar situation, like fumble on the ground, just pick the ball up. Don't mm-hmm. do anything. And you kick a field goal there. And then you would only need a field goal later on in the game instead of being down five and having Russell Wilson with roughly seemingly 27 snaps from around the you know 20 yard line and in in order to win that game. And so it's like, these are the tiniest things, right? And even Pittsburgh, you know, which was the other one at minus five and a half was one where you're looking at it going like, Kenny Pickett gets hurt on the one inch yard line. And then Najee Harris can't get in on fourth and goal from, from the one. And like those two things don't happen. I don't know how, you know, you never know sort of sliding doors style, like what's going to happen if that touchdown and that injury doesn't happen, right? Steelers take a seven point lead and, and Kenny Pickett's still alive, right? Like mm-hmm. might be in a, in a lot better spot. So we end up losing all three of those games. So like the, the dreams were dashed right off the bat. And it was like, you know, it'd be nice. Even if a two out of three, you know, get two out of three and still have a chance at 16 and four, which, you know, might've caught, might've caught a piece of the money. Yeah. You know, you know, it just get get us to four the four o'clock games where like of course we won both four o'clock games. <laughs> been, like super exciting if we were two and one or three and zero oh going into those. And so you just sit there and you go like, was I wrong about the Patriots and the Chargers? You're like, I don't really think I was wrong. You're supposed to cover plus five if you only give up six points. Mm-hmm. And was I wrong about Denver plus three and a half? It's like nah, I was wrong about some of it, but like yeah, it's all it very easily. You know, you always say I got footballed, right? It's like yeah, just you know some football, you know bounces there would have been would have been really nice so um you sweat through that and then of course we win all three games at four o'clock we win all the game you know the game on sunday night with the packers winning outright mm-hmm. and i have the over on monday night football which is like you know uh, you know feels like it's a miracle anytime a game goes over especially on monday night especially on prime time this year and so you just literally like win 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 all these other and it's just like oh there was just this one segment of of the week that just absolutely sucked and it was like the chaos uh, portion of my week so um you know another another uh, five week uh quarter if you will starts here this coming week so you know you get back up on the horse and and hope to have a nice little run here to finish off the season and maybe catch a piece of the money somewhere somehow totally and that's the beauty of it all right because it's like you can trust the principles you can trust your quote-unquote rules 
because you know at some point football is going to happen, right? But the goal is, as you mentioned, right, why the importance of the numbers and here's my record this week and here's my record last week. Like it's about the full season and the full season, me showing the numbers, just trying to show like, hey, this is what we're doing here. You know, that that type of thing. The The week by week is more so for the people just, you know, scouring on their timeline and see like, oh, okay. This is going pretty well. Let's jump in on board. Cause I mean, again, it's week 15, it's week 14, mm-hmm. 15th episode of this pod. So if you're just finding out about this now, where you been first off, cause there's That's money cool. to be made and there'll be more money to be made down the line here as we continue and we head into this week 14 as always on Thursday night football, the Patriots are at the Steelers Steelers six point favorites. As you mentioned, the Patriots gave up 10 points or less in their last three games and somehow have lost all three games. How is that possible? I don't even know, but it was a thing that happened. This game has a potential to be really, really bad. And then wait, hold on, hold on. Is that Mitch Trubisky's music I hear (laughs) as he will be starting for the Pittsburgh Steelers? This game is, to me, I know you just talked about the the rough life it was watching the Patriots just needing to put up any points, but I'm signing myself up here to do the same thing this week on Thursday night and be like, can you guys just please score a point? Just kick a field goal at some point, because I don't know how much the Steelers are going to be able to put up even with Pickett or (laughs) Trubisky. So give me this, the, Patriots and the points and I'm just going to hope that maybe the defense can score a point or something. <laughs> Let's figure things out here, guys. Yeah, how down bad are the Steelers that the Patriots literally got shut out by the Chargers by the way. Um at home on Sunday and this line from compared to the look ahead line of minus six and a half, the line went towards the Patriots. right on reopen it was like ah six and a half too high and it's like well the patriots didn't score last week it's like (laughs) still too high still too like they literally didn't cover despite uh only giving up six like "Mm, sorry still too high uh for the steelers so that's that's so we're down to six here as uh as money has has come in a little bit here on the patriots Uh, you listen this is one where the headline for me is I don't want anything to do with the side or the total, right? Because there, you can make cases. Yeah, I don't know if you can make case or either. Any case that you're making for either is a is a case against the opposite, right? Like the only thing I want, the only case for the Patriots is I don't want to lay six points with Mitch Trubisky, and that's a completely viable argument, yeah. right? And the case against like uh, you know, betting against the, or betting on the Steelers minus six is like, yeah, like. I, I, you know, th- th- I don't, the Patriots can't score. So like, why, you know what I mean? Like I, <laughs> taking the points is cool, but like, we just tried that, you know, with the, with the chargers and then you go, okay, the total like, all right, do I want the over? It's like, not with these two teams, not with these two quarterbacks. And like the total starts with a two. So like, I'm not betting the under because it's literally, there hasn't been a total that started with a two in 30 years. That's insane. This is like, and, and like we've gone through a, a couple of different eras as far as like higher offense and o- offensive, you know, promotion since then. I know scoring is down this year and, and has been for the last couple of years, but that's relative to a few years ago. That's not relative to 1993. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, I don't want any either side. I don't want to either total here. And so I'm not going to bet on either of those things. However, 
there's always something to bet because you know it's Thursday night. So we got a couple of props that are going to be put up um, over at the score. But if you're going to bet on a side or one team or the other, knowing that this total is so low and that every point matters and that both quarterbacks are equally inept, there are going to probably be play. There's probably going to be a high leverage play, special teams, fumble, interception. You know what I mean? All these sorts of things that have nothing to do with offensive efficiency. Like you tell me who's more likely to do that. I don't know. But if, <laughs> if both teams are just as likely to screw it up and just as likely to take advantage of that screw up, then why isn't the money line just the play? The Patriots yeah. are plus 220 on the money line, right? Like mm -hmm. if they score at all, seven, <laughs> 10, they're very live to win the game because as you just mentioned, they haven't given up more than 10 points in like over a month. So it's like, if I'm going to make a bet at all, like instead of maybe necessarily like a full bet, like maybe a half unit plus 230 on the money line on the Patriots on and, and this game, like could very well just end six to three. You tell me you, you're positive, you know, who's going to win a six to three, nine to three, 12 to 10 <laughs> football game between these two teams. Yeah. And as much as we make fun of the Patriots offense, which is obviously just absolutely dreadful. It's not like they've never scored before. So like True. it could score 10. And is 10 enough to win against Mitch Trubisky in this in the Steelers outfit? Like, and again, those 10 points might have nothing to do with the offense. This could be those these teams literally, one of them scores a field goal. Maybe there's an offensive or a, not an offense pass, but a pass interference that helps the offense, you know, 30-yard type play. They kick a field goal from like 47 yards out. They kick off to the other team. The other team is sitting there on the 25-yard line. They get sacked. They end up punting from their own 12. The other team then, you know, gets good field position again and could potentially kick another field goal with very limited success on offense, right? So I think there's actually going to be a lot of field goals potentially in this game because both of these coaches are going to look at this and be like, anytime I can get remotely close to scoring points, like we're probably not crossing the goal line here, but like, let's kick the field goal. Like, don't go for it on fourth and five. Don't go for it on fourth down at all. Mike Tomlin is often a conservative head coach. Up until the fact that he was going for it on fourth and five, Bill Belichick has always been a, hey, let's punt it first type of a situation type of a guy. So I think that there could be a lot of field goals in this in this game. So that's a bit of a hint as to where we might end up when it gets deep into the weeds from a prop uh, perspective on Thursday night. I'm going to say this, and you know I'm an NBA guy. This game is so terrible that I'm going to give you a special inside to Thursday night. And I don't know if the NFL was like, listen, NBA, we've stolen all your thunder. We've stolen Christmas day from you. We've stolen. We make yeah. Thanksgiving a day. We're putting games on every day of the week. We're coming for your bag, but your new in-season tournament, the Thursday night game, we gave you a Patriot Steelers yeah. matchup for your big semifinal in Las Vegas. Here's my insight for y'all. Lakers minus one and a half on Thursday night in the semifinals. The refs will be refing to get the Lakers into the finals of the in-season tournament. Who are they against playing against? This is how oh, the Pellies. Okay. The Pelicans. Right. It'll be a home crowd. Lakers sure. fans will travel to Vegas to be there and yell and cheer. And the refs will be refing. I don't know if you saw the end of the game against the Suns. What but if? But anyways. What if I've been I've been deep into the portal, uh, the transfer portal? Uh, did Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger have any eligibility left to come back and play in this game? Right, because right, like that's this well, is the a, promo. What was the promo? It was Bill Belichick and T.J. Watt. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> I don't think Bill Belichick has much chance blocking TJ Watt, if we're being completely honest. Like, how? What are we doing here? Yeah. Like, how did they let that go? Like, you could have easily just put Mike Tomlin up there with Belichick, and then nobody would have said anything. It's true. right. Everyone would have oh, been like, boy. you know what? Two of the great coaches of their eras, blah, blah, blah. Like, you could have spun that into something. The funniest part is everybody who's mentioned that, like, has never said a player like they've never said oh i would have put this patriots player in that place right like normally oh, when yeah. something weird like that sort of happens you go like oh they couldn't you they couldn't put blah 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 into that spot it's like there's just there's nobody that you could like straight face <laughs> like put on, as a play like ezekiel elliott it's like <laughs> imagine that like juju smith schuster like Zeke, they'd have to <laughs> Zeke, they'd have to you still know? be uh, photoshopping out of his Cowboys uniform. Imagine they put like a, a, a Patriots defender who, again, like their defense as a whole is very good. But like you would literally have to put a defensive player, but then explain who that player is because nobody yeah. would recognize, you know, who that guy is. They'd have to put names up there for sure. Yeah. Imagine they put like JC Jackson up there who like bottomed out with the Chargers and like <laughs> showed Just up. Amazing. <laughs> And you know what? We'll all still be tuning in to watch this Thursday night football game, which is the beauty of the NFL. It will be very entertaining, high comedy. Like, and that's that's what happened on Monday night. I said, I I don't know if you saw the promos for that game, like throughout the the weekend, but it was no, there was no words associated with it. It was just, uh, it was just some classic Snoop, Snoop Dogg underneath it, right? And it was like, and I said to my wife, it was like, honestly, like just having you know some Snoop under that promo, like. That made that game look really, really interesting. And there's nothing about that game that's interesting. She's like, you don't think there's anything interesting about Jaguars-Bengals? And I was like, no, of course there isn't. And then Jags-Bengals like turned out to be like the most fun game of the year, right? And so I don't think it's going to be that as far as like high scoring, like back and forth. But like, it's going to be high comedy at the very least. And like, I can do that on a Thursday night. A little eggnog going, you know, sarsaparilla. You got the the eggnog going already? I don't like eggnog. It is December. It's symbolic, right? I got you. I got me, you. Fair enough. Yeah. Give me a hot beverage with some Kahlua in there and let's, uh, you know, let's get cozy as hell. Let's get to some like big boy games here. Cause I still think despite the fact the bills have struggled this season, I still think bills chiefs qualifies as a big boy game. This isn't the same chiefs team that we're used to, but I still feel like the margins have been so slim that even without any, any actual receivers or playmakers outside of Mahomes and Kelsey, sometimes they were they should have won a bunch of those games that they've just recently lost and obviously not covered so you're giving me a line now of two and let's say mvs actually catches a ball you know like hey maybe do your job and catch one fairness is a pretty big assumption though fair totally fair i'm still rolling with the chiefs here laying the two points which i know doesn't surprise you at all but the Chiefs at under a field goal. I still think it's it's just funny how we're talking about the Chiefs as if it's over, it's done, and it's like it's not like they're getting blown out in these games. They're still they're losing by not being able to make the plays we've been used to seeing them make. So why can't that change at some point? You know, I'm not yeah. asking you to do a lot here. Just saying, win by a field goal. My yeah. ask is going down here from the Chiefs. It's not win by a touchdown anymore. It's like just win by a field goal. Let's go. Chiefs minus two. <laughs> it's it's true, right? And so this is um this is obviously a downgrade for the Chiefs, right? Like, mm-hmm. and but part of that is you go, okay, why is it a downgrade? How many times how much do we have to watch of the Chiefs to know that like the offense isn't isn't right? 
Yeah. Right. Travis Kelsey, for whatever reason, isn't right. Um, you know, maybe he's in that sort of, you know, tough spot in a relationship where, you know, he's not completely single and can do whatever he wants and he's not married. So he's got nobody kind of like, you know, the attention is sort of not divided, but when you're, you know, he's dating, right? Like he's in the, he's, he's, he's got, he's, again, his attention is elsewhere. And, uh, you know, I don't think Travis Kelsey's necessarily washed, but like, you know, it's one thing or the other, right? Either the play has gone down because he's not at his peak anymore or it's some, you know, or it's something else. Um, but obviously the other guys are the issue too, right? And, the, and just the connection that Patrick Mahomes doesn't seem to have with them. But for me here, the reason that this number is kind of going where it is, is on the defense, which at the mm -hmm. start of the season for early on and right through up until recently, it, you know, is a very sort of scary prospect where it's like, oh man, like the Chiefs have a defense and they have Patrick Mahomes. Like that's very concerning. The injuries are piling up. Yeah. Injuries are piling up big time on that defense, right? They had, you know, Bolton was already out before that last game. You saw Drew Tank Tranquil go down. Chris Collinsworth was, you know, just pointing out, like, look, there's just this isn't this isn't it, right? Like we're onto a third string sort of middle linebacker type situation. Like that's mm -hmm. that's not going to work. We saw some, you know, DBs going down. They just played on the Sunday night game where at this point in the season, somewhat thematically, for the next couple of weeks here. Uh, you know, the schedule is starting to pile up on these teams, right? And we've seen it. We'll talk about it with Philadelphia here a little bit later on. But like Kansas City is kind of in the same spot where, you know, because you've got Thanksgiving games and Thursday night games and bye weeks sort of pushed later on in the season, you've got some of these teams who had their bye week in like week six. And like that was cool for back then. But like when you have it now or like in the last, you know, we had six, we have six teams coming off of a bye week. Yeah. You know, when you have it late on, later on in the season, or you have these Thursday games, which create like 10 day sort of, you know, rest windows that matters a lot more right now than it does early on in the season where it's like, oh, you played on the first Thursday or the second Thursday night, you have a 10 day, you know, 10 days off between week one and week two, week two and week three, week three and week four. Like, okay, cool. But like a 10 day, like week, you know, or two weeks off here, the way the bills have with the, you know, having this bye week that they just had. It's like, that's a massive, massive deal, especially for a team that was pretty banged up with the Bills. Now, they're not going to get back the key cogs that we have talked about, um, them missing after week six. But what they are going to, you know, everybody else is going to get a little bit healthier, right? Everybody's going to be sort of on that on that level. Whereas for the Chiefs, it's like whatever injury may be hampering Travis Kelsey, if that's the case, right? That's not going to heal in the six days off in between. The, it, like I mentioned, the defensive injuries aren't going to heal in that in that brief period of time and so this line that was a look ahead line of three you know saw it tick down to two and a half i think because of a drop with the chiefs rating but i think there's also a kind of a groundswell for a bills push here like you know when they lost to the eagles in the way that they did it was sort of like oh man like they're done now but you look around you know and again trevor lawrence gets hurt and you know it seems like he's gonna be back you know at some point this season maybe earlier than uh, than we necessarily think but you look around at the rest of the AFC and you're just like, good God, these wildcard teams are just dreadful. And, 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 in, and in dreadful circumstances too, because of the yeah. quarterback situations, right? And you're just like, man, if the Bills could win this game, mm -hmm. it's like maybe like a, a, a nine and seven record is sort of very, becomes very doable. And depending on what games they win down the stretch, right? Like a win here is another AFC victory, right? Which obviously AFC wins is, is a primary tiebreaker. You know, you kind of never know. And, and, and I sort of look at the Bills as a team that I have, an, I have a ticket on them to not make the playoffs at like plus 220, something along those lines from before the season that we would have talked about likely on the pregame show or if you've read my stuff over at, at the score. 
But it's like now that they're plus 330, I think it is, to make the playoffs, I kind of want a little piece of that, too, <laughs> right? Because yeah. it's like, you know, I think – and you and you watch – you see there, as I mentioned, right, like part of it is the Chiefs rating coming down. I think part of the thing is the Bills rating certainly has to come up for this number to make sense. And then it's up to you to decide – all right, the Bills as a team kind of rated in the low, you know, set, like, let's say 70, right? We always talk about sort of out of 100, you know, are, are the Bills right now a 70 out of 100? You know, a couple of three, four weeks ago, they certainly weren't. And that was the time when we were fading them and, and cashing all those bets on uh, against the spread, right? And then when they played the Eagles, it was like, okay, like, you know, I think that, I think this is the time now, obviously, after firing the, the offensive coordinator and stuff, like, here comes the push. And while that push came, you know, short, I think the very next week, if they had played, like that might be an issue. But as you sit back and you watch and you look at these other teams and it's like the Browns are, who's the quarterback on the Browns? Like Joe Flacco? Like what? And like they lose a game, right? And the Steelers lose a game. And like, by the way, their quarterback is hurt to the point where we're talking ourselves into thinking the Patriots can beat them. And it's like, well, the Steelers <laughs> and the Browns keep taking L's here. And no one else is necessarily like going on a massive heater. And like, you know, the Colts are suddenly in like the mix. It's like if I'm the Bills and I like I come into the season with the talent and sort of the, th the theory that this, this team is right there with a team like the Chiefs, right there with a team like the healthy Bengals. You know, I think I can win these last five games. And, you know, if the order was different and the Chiefs were in the last it was Chiefs against in the last game after the Bills had already been eliminated. I think it'd be a different story. But I think if you're looking around at the AFC right now and you're like, we can pass all of these teams or at least the teams that we need to pass to like get that seven seed and be a really, really interesting road team. Hell yeah. In that first week, like this is like everything into the pool here. And I know they did that, but it's not like they did it last week where you see a lot of these teams coming off of big, hard fought games, rivalry games, revenge games, all of these sorts of things. And then trying to get it up again a week later, they had the week off. And at this point, I think that really, really matters. These late bye weeks, like, I don't know if the league is going to have these bye weeks this late much longer, because I think there is a pretty significant competitive advantage. And I think Huge. that's the market is showing here by moving this off of three. I grabbed some bills plus three when I could. And now we're down to a point where it's like, you kind of have to bet whether the bills are going to win this game or not. Mm -hmm. And like, I realized why, like the, the chiefs are very enticing at minus two, but they were very enticing at minus two when they lost outright to the Eagles two, three weeks ago on Monday night football. Mm -hmm. And so I just go like, I kind of think the bills are going to win this game. Having watched the bills, you know, beat the chiefs last year in Kansas city in the regular season. It's like, they know they can do it. Right. And like, it yeah. sets up really nicely for them where like, you can't be that afraid of the road team in the same way that like San Francisco wasn't a team that you should be afraid of, you know, betting on last week on the road against Philadelphia, because that schedule situation, like that was a really big deal. And I think this is too. Yeah, it's a int very interesting spot. This solely is just for me, the reason why I'm on the Chiefs is just as I think it'll be a close game. I think it's going to come down to the end. And I want to be on the side of Mahomes in that situation over Josh Allen. I, I mean, obviously yeah. there's a world where the Bills just rolled them, Where which like if we came back next week and we're like, yo, the Bills just rolled them. Cool. No problem. I'm not stunned by that. I totally get it. Cool. In the regular, um, and this is just one, one last thing worth mentioning, right? In the regular season game last year, right? There was injuries to the Kansas City corners mm -hmm. and the Bills succeeded on offense mm -hmm. by taking those one-on-one -on -one shots against the backup corner for yeah. the Chiefs. 
So yeah. whether it's a corner injury, which I know there are some, you know, DB injuries, right? I think Cook was out for, for the Chiefs. And obviously we talked about the, the middle linebacker um, element. Like, you know, maybe that's maybe that's Dalton Kincaid, right? Yeah. Where it's like, we know the Bills can game plan for the Chiefs to take advantage of what the Chiefs are hurting at right mm. now. And late in that game, again, defense being like different as far as a health situation for this for the Bills. Like Mahomes had a chance to win that game in the regular season. You know, people always Could forget about regular season games because of like the playoff games that sort of are more sort of yeah, forefront yeah. in our mind, right? Obviously, pulling off the what was it, thirteen seconds uh, thing from the playoffs a couple of years ago. But it's like no, last year he like, Mahomes team, couldn't too. get it done, right? And yeah, absolutely, right. Tyreek Hill ain't walking through that door, and mm-hmm. uh, and you, I understand why. Obviously, they had to trade Tyreek Hill to spread that money around and get the defense that they have when that defense is healthy. But mm-hmm. like, you know, unless somebody else is going to kind of replace it that, matters. you know, MBS is running those routes, man, but he's not <laughs> catching those balls. So it's true. You know, and, it's true. And, and, and assuming yeah. that he's going to like, I'm sorry. Like well, hold on. You know, you're, you're talking about like Mahomes not coming through last year against the bills. I'm talking about Mahomes not coming through the last few weeks, right? He hasn't been able to do it. So it's, it's just a matter of, you know, me riding with the chiefs. It's nothing more. We've been doing this pod for long enough that, you know, you know, what's going down. Yeah. Um, let's keep it going though. We got the Rams at the Ravens, another really good game. Um, this could be much like you were just talking about with the spot, and the Bills, in the terms of where their schedule is, Ravens also coming off a bye week. Rams coming off a big win. They put up 36 on a Browns defense that we might be starting to question a little more than we were a couple weeks ago. Either way, seven points I feel like is too many points for me to lay with the Ravens here. I like the Rams because I just liked where they're at offensively at this point. I think the run game is pretty good, even though that's a massive test against a healthy or a bye week Ravens team, but I just like where the offense is right now at the Rams. And this will be a tough test. I also will say that I feel like I've been wrong in whatever side I've been on in Ravens games (laughs) way more than I've been right this season. So take that for what you will, right? Like I I just seem to be whichever way I'm rolling with the Ravens. I've just been wrong either way, but (laughs) I am, I just think this is too many points. So give me the Rams plus seven. It's funny. I, you know, now that you say that, I kind of think I'm the same way. And I mean, that's not surprising. We do the show. And so we end up, I think, you know, at 75% of the time, probably on the, on the same side. Um, if not, if not more than that, so that wouldn't be that surprising, but think about the Ravens games though. when like, you actually evaluate like that, right. It's like Zay flowers doesn't, you know, slide down. Mm-hmm. and takes off for that touchdown and like that's the difference between being quote-unquote right about that game or not being right about that football game. uh if you like the 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 ravens against the browns right at home mm-hmm. and they're up two touchdowns with minus you know six and a half or whatever and you know then like <laughs> everything mm-hmm. that happens in the fourth quarter including it's like angular bank- offside kick onside kick he didn't catch well yeah, yeah and like and bounces off the wrong you know, helmet oh god you know, I'm I'm going one at a time here. Is that the? They had the cards game that they did. Oh, the cards game. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, again, I didn't was even thinking of that game, but that's the <laughs> Aguilar game, right? Where it's yeah. like, yeah, like if you were on the Ravens, especially at like any number basically higher than what 
10, you know, <laughs> you were like, or any number lower than 10, you know, the mm -hmm. eight, because it went from like eight and a half to 10 and a half, I think something along those lines in that game. But you're sitting there going like, yeah, man, I'm on the right side here. I'm on the right side. And it's like, it's never, oh, I was on the Ravens, but they let me down. It's always like, oh, I was on one side and then something wacky happened. So mm -hmm. whether again, like it's, you know, go back to like the Colts game from like week three, which, uh, you know, I always go back to, but like, I don't Why do you have to stab me like that. Man? It is, like, listen, it's, 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 I have to pull a knife out of my own self for that. So, um, yeah, it's just, you look at it and you go like, I don't know, were we supposed to be correct about the Ravens that frequently? Because you probably lost a lot of bets being right in Ravens games. So I wouldn't, mm -hmm. you know, sort of beat yourself up too much about that, but it is funny how like a lot of their games, the vast majority of their games have sort of gravitated to that wackiness. I mean, even right down to the Bengals, right? Where it's like, yeah. Bengals go up, <laughs> Bengals go up three, and Joe Burrow's out for the season. And it's mm -hmm. like, I don't know whether the Ravens were going to cover that game or not, but like plus three and a half when you're up three, you know, sort of midway through the second quarter. It's like you're probably, you know, the live line was pick them. So you mm -hmm. were certainly a favorite to cover if you were on the Bengals in that game. And then something weird happened. So I imagine something weird is probably going to be happening one way or another in this game. So long story short, <laughs> uh, I, I grabbed seven and a half when it was yeah. available earlier in, you know, in the week. Right. And obviously with the line moving down to seven, seven and a half still available for a, a price less than minus minus one twenty, which is kind of like minus 20, sort of a, you know, false line of demarcation there. There's some minus minus one nineteens available on the plus seven and a half. That's the number that I want to bet. That's the number that if I was to think about backing the Rams in contests, that's the number that I would want to see when <laughs> those lines come out on Thursday. Um, you know, the Mark Andrews thing is is an issue, I think, right, for their offense. And, you know, maybe the Chargers defense is just as, you know, way, way better than I ever thought possible. Um, but three weeks ago, they were getting absolutely just run by the Detroit Lions up and down the field, right? So it's like, no, I think that's a Bailey Zappi Patriots issue. And honestly, I think that's a, you know, something of an inefficiency issue, right, with the, with the Ravens. So um, not psyched about the Ravens offense at the moment defensively i think the rams can do some stuff here because we have seen the rams be you know pretty efficient on offense they started ripping off jet sweeps like the old mm -hmm. days against the browns and probably you know this and they ended up covering that you know from a scoreboard standpoint relatively comfortably but probably could have had a little bit more yardage if there wasn't kind of a somewhat of a phantom hold in that game against the browns on one of their jet sweeps so with them getting sort of fully at you know full healthier with kyron williams who's clearly the best running back on the rams and those wide receivers, you know, Puka Nakua, a bit of an injury issue. We're still waiting for Cooper Cup to kind of do more stuff out there. Like, mm -hmm. that's kind of a bummer because he might not be sort of at full health. Hopefully that's not a forever thing. That's just a kind of week-to-week type thing with his production, you know, dipping well, well, well below what we're used to out of Cooper Cup. Uh, I think the Rams are cooking a little bit on offense. And so I think this is one where, listen, the, the weather could be a little bit grimy and the score could be sort of tamped down a little bit. Um, and that will, of course, make every point that much more valuable, valuable. And in this case, you know, a half point above seven is uh, is pretty critical in a game that may just end up being a seven point game. But honestly, I could you could tell me that the Rams won this game outright and I wouldn't be surprised. And, you know, looking at a money line of you know plus 250 or better, not the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, no, totally there. I hear you. I'm with you. I'm feeling it. Let's go. Let's keep things moving here from the Rams. We go to the Bears. Hosting the Detroit Lions, Lions at three and a half point road favorites here. The Lions are playing really loose right now, right? I mean, they they struggled to cover against the Saints, and we know the Saints are not about business. So why am I taking the Lions 
at three and a half point favorites on the road against the Bears, who are coming off a of bye week, right? The Bears yeah. played when? Like Monday. Like That's not right. this past Monday, the Monday before, right? That's right. Um, I look at this game and I just think the Bears, even just watching them, that was a tough watch the last time we saw the Bears mm-hmm. struggling to get to 12 points against a Vikings team. That was just a tough watch. Am I putting too much into that game in terms of the last time we saw the Bears? I think so. I, I mean, and, and I think part of that is right. Like we talked, we've talked about how the Vikings are like this defense first team, which is like such a crazy thing to say in such a, you know, turn of events from last year where they were like all offense, no defense. And now, you know, we're what week 13, week 14. It's like, no, actually the Vikings are like all defense and, and no offense. Yeah. Obviously injuries are, are a factor there. And of course the co- the defensive coordinator change, which by the way, like attests to like coordinators matter in this league. You know what I mean? And people go like, oh, play caller. He gets fired. Like, is that going to matter that much? It's like, honestly, probably, right? Defense, you know, coordinators getting switched here and there. Like, is that going to matter? It's like, yeah, actually probably is. So in this case, you know, the Bears defense, I think, was the kind of thing that was the most impressive thing from that game a couple of weeks ago. Even though, listen, it's Josh Dobbs and, and I think the coaching staff from Minnesota, you know, saw enough things that he missed. So maybe it was a little bit less about the Bears and a little bit more about the Vikings inefficiency and especially with regards to their quarterback. But it is funny that the Bears, like their strategy offensively, as we kind of thought, whether it was going to be getting fields outside of the tackle box mm-hmm. or to literally just throw screens over and over and over again on, you know, to either side was, you know, they did that. I think they probably tried to throw the ball a little bit further down the field. It just, you know, Fields wasn't really feeling anything that seemed all that open. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to go that far to get a comp for this game because it was literally Bears and Lions from a couple of weeks ago, right? Yep. So the reason to like the Bears and sort of ignore that game against the Vikings is that the reality is the lightning, the lightning, the Lions defense is probably way 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 worse than the vikings right and like the bears have enough stuff whether it was being able to hit dj more down the field in some open scenarios because the lions secondary has just getting gashed over and over again i mean this is a team that took a 21 nothing lead last week against the saints and like couldn't really close it out right like couldn't necessarily seal that deal and that's a situation that especially against Derek Carr and then eventually Jameis Winston like that should be a pull pin your ears back and like take care of business type scenario right and they (laughs) couldn't do it because like that's just where we're at with the Lions defense who again got gashed by the Bears gashed by the Packers and gashed by the Chargers the week before that like where's the good defensive performance from the Lions like yeah they might get an odd turnover here and there but like that's the NFL right the ball is going to bounce your way sometimes in other ways you know it's not and so I just look at it and go, okay, like, I'm not worried about the Bears offense in the same way that, like, I would have been against the Vikings. And by the way, like, I like the Bears defense. Like, they showed, they were the ones that were impressive, again, in that Monday night game. And like you mentioned, the week off, right? And it's a little bit different in the same way that's different with the Rams and the Ravens. You know, Rams facing a team coming off the bye. It's like, yeah, it's one thing when you come off the bye and you're going against a team that's, like, given everything that they've ever had in their life into one game. That wasn't the case with the Rams against the Browns. And that certainly wasn't the case 
um, with the Lions against the Saints, right? So like, it isn't about oh, like the Bears are coming off the bye, but it is about like knowing what you that you have a plan or something that works and being able to put that into effect here against the Lions. And so, you know, I don't know that they're going to win this game necessarily, but uh, yeah, points plus three and a half here. And we saw the line come down from five. So somebody out there likes the Bears. Enough money has come in from, you know, on plus five, plus four and a half, plus four to get it down to where the number is now. And I know some people might be interested in the Lions, if, you know, as it got down to minus three, it was some minus three, you know, with some juice on it that I think allowed this number to kind of come back to three and a half. But, like, I understand why you might like the Lions at minus three. Like, you know, that might be an overreaction. But there is no real tangible, massive difference between plus four and plus three when it comes to – or plus three and a half, I should say, um, when it comes to liking the Bears here. So, yeah, I think this is a highly competitive game. You get Jared Goff outdoors in Chicago in December. Like, that doesn't sound like a particularly appetizing scenario for our guy Goff, who just came off of a handful of games in a dome, right? So, like, <laughs> probably going to get a lesser Lions offense and a defense that we think kind of stinks. Yeah. As I said, to start it, right? The Lions have been really loose. The pick has been changed. And the biggest thing is, as I remind myself here, especially down the stretch, sticking to certain principles and the importance of that extra half point of the three and a half. I will take that with the Bears. Change the pick. Bears plus three and a half. Let's keep it moving here. A kind of big boy game, or should be a big boy game for the Seahawks here, as they are in San Francisco taking on the Niners. Niners, 10 and a half point favorites at home. I am on the Seahawks here, plus 10 and a half. The reason being, hold on, hold on. Whoa. The reason being is again, talking about back to basics, sticking with principles, and starting with double digit spreads with I'm taking the points. And let's talk myself out of it. Now, right. the first thing in terms of double-digit spreads is, am I facing a functional quarterback and offense? And I feel like the Steelers, or the Steelers, the Seahawks, are a functional quarterback and offense. The Steelers are not, by the way. <laughs> but the right. Seahawks yeah, are at least barely that. Right. Um, I also just think the spot for San Fran in this point, obviously they can bury the Seahawks, but they already have the division kind of wrapped up if you're the Niners. But I feel like there could be just some letdown, right? Like that's an emotional win in Philadelphia. The Niners could win this game by a touchdown and be cool, right? The Niners could win this game by 10 and could be cool. But, you know, at the end of the day, last week's game against the Eagles was the big boy yeah, we're here to lay the smack down. This is circled on the calendar. We're ready for all takers, even your boy, Big Dom. Everybody gets a smoke here. And they did that. So now the following week, you know, yeah. they could have a letdown and still win and win by 10 and the Seahawks cover 10 and a half. So for that reason, that's where my starting point is. What say you, my friend? Yeah. So, I mean, a couple of things here, right? And like this is another, this is just another example of, uh, you know, an, an inequity when it comes to um, the schedule situation, right? Where mm -hmm. it's Seahawks have the 10 days off from playing on a Thursday yep. and the 49ers just played like into the dark against the Eagles in, again, what was a very heated game and, you know, for all reasons that you mentioned, right? Very heated, you know, revenge, prove it, prove that we would have won that game last year if Brock Purdy hadn't got hurt type of a narrative situation right which like yeah i'm not gonna make the bet on that i'm gonna make a bet on the like rest you know element when it comes to the 49ers and the eagles in the same way that i'm gonna bet on the seahawks this week 
getting all of these points, right? So that, that's a pretty tough turnaround for any team, even a team that right now in the 49ers that is being rated basically historically great, right? Yeah. Like this is, we are now into the territory of this is what the line would be if, you know, I have the Seahawks as a dead nut average team in the NFL, right? Talk me out of that. Tell me they're higher. Tell me they're lower. <laughs> I think if we just stamped them as a 50 and never moved it, Right. Barring in barring injury to a quarterback or significant cluster injury to, you know, offensive line or or, or defensive line or something along those lines. Um, I just, you know, the Seahawks are just a flat out 50. Um, we have pushed this point to the point where the 49ers are like an 85 out of 100. This is the line that the Seahawks would have to go to Denver when Peyton Manning was the quarterback, right? That year where he threw 50 touchdowns. This is the line that it would be if the Patriots, you know, the 2000 and what was it, seven Patriots, the undefeated Patriots, like this is what that would be with an average, you know, team sort of contending for, uh, for a wild card, what that would sort of look like. That's where we're at with the 49ers. And again, like they can play to that level. It's why they keep covering these games when we say, like, man, the rating's getting crazy. The rating's getting crazy. Like, it keeps getting crazy. Like, next week, they are 13.5-point road favorites <laughs> at Arizona. Yeah. It's like, and you'd be like, oh, it's Arizona. It's like, Arizona won a football game last week. Like, yeah. on, you know what I mean? On the road. So it's like, yeah, I get that Arizona stinks. So, like, 13.5 on the road. Like, that's some wild stuff. And so this is, you know, different from a couple of weeks ago when the line was 7. This opened 12.5 by the way. Mm. So like you just look at 12 and a half and you go, well, it was seven, two weeks ago in Seattle. That's a five and a half point difference, which is just too much for, for home field advantage, which is generally, you know, a little bit less than two points on either side. So a full flip of home field advantage would be a little bit less than four. And that's, you know, how we get down to 10 and a half, 11 for this game, by the way, that was a short week, Geno Smith injury issues, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we've talked about the injury to Hafanga for, for the uh, 49ers. Again, not an issue necessarily last week, but this Seahawks team after that game against the 49ers, like they went back into the lab, so to speak, and we're like, hey, Gino, we're going to need you to throw the ball a little bit quicker. And like, let's yeah. see how that goes. And maybe that involves some timing routes to DK and, you know, and let's involve, let's get crazy and involve Jackson Smith and Jigba, who like at one point in our lives was like one of the best uh, receiving prospects like in the world when he was in college. It's like, yeah, let's get some of these guys into the mix, shall we? And so I just think like whether they're down 17 late and like, you know, need to have sort of that backdoor situation, or maybe they get up 10 points early on a 49ers team that felt like they sort of proved everything they needed to prove last week and maybe aren't necessarily taking the Seahawks all that seriously here. This might be an interesting Seahawks like race to 10 point type of a bet here. You let them get out early and see sort of where it goes. I imagine by the time that the, the game rolls around here, we might get back, not necessarily to 12 and a half, certainly, but you might be able to get plus 11. And when you're sort of talking about like ways that, you know, scores where this could sort of end here, 11 is a number that I would be sort of, you know, wanting to kind of wait and see if I can get. Mm -hmm. So plus 11 is kind of my target here. I certainly have not bet it. I missed out on the 12 and a half. And that's honestly, that's just how good the, the 49ers are where I'm like, I'm looking at 12 and a half. I'm like, that's too high, but I, like, I'm going to need a, <laughs> a minute to think about it. Right. Yeah. And like that day or those few hours that I was, you know, quote unquote thinking about it, 
allowed that number to just vanish and, and get repopped at uh, or reposted at uh, 10 and a half after it got popped a few times at uh, at plus 12 and a half. So yeah, I'm with you here again. I think, I don't think there's any worry of the Niners necessarily losing the game, but honestly, if they just had it, you know, kind of a bad game and a bad bounce and a pretty turnover here and there. And like all of a sudden the Seahawks who are again, fighting for their lives. And that's the other difference too, right? Are you fighting for seeds? Or are you fighting for your life from a, from a playoff standpoint? Mm-hmm. Right. And the Niners were fighting for their life last week because that was that game was personal to them. This game, there's not really any reason why this game should be personal for the 49ers. It's personal for the Seahawks, though. Totally agree. Last week, personal for the Niners, personal for Big Dom. Hope that I never see that dude again. Uh, let's keep moving here to the Broncos at the Chargers. Chargers at home laying three points. The Chargers put up six points last week versus the Pats. Now, I understand the Pats' defense is good. I totally get that. But you have Justin Herbert. I'm sorry, but I need you to put up at least a little more points than six. And I know it's not his fault. I know it's not all his fault. I know there's a lot going on. I know he doesn't have weapons. I get all that stuff. Either way, if we flip it back around this way, Russ, I know we've been riding Russ for the last few weeks. He couldn't come through last week pick in the end zone to end the game a tough one there but overall i still really like this broncos team and if you're telling me i can get points here with the aforementioned chargers that no matter the situation no matter where they're playing no matter rain snow dome turf they're in close games so give me the points with the with the broncos here at plus three yeah, if you think uh, winning a 6 nothing game against the Patriots is going to make me think you don't stink, I'm sorry. I still think <laughs> you stink. I think the Chargers stink, man. They got, you know, forget it, like, just only put up six points. They got outgained. <laughs> 250. And, like, it wasn't an electric festival out there. 257 to 241. Bailey Zappi and the Patriots out there outgaining the Chargers. Like, were you so, watching like, like every second of that game? Every second of that game, man. <laughs> like, I had my I have four screens up. I had I speaking of the devil here. I had Broncos and Houston up, and yeah. it's funny how like we are acting. Obviously, this is a fourth quarter last drive. You know, missed quote unquote pass interference call. But mm-hmm. like, I'm watching the first quarter of that Broncos uh, Texans game, and I can't believe your guy Derek Stingley didn't get called for a pass interference. <laughs> early on in that game right yeah. where it's like he is not playing the ball like yeah he might have touched the ball at one point but like he is face guarding the bleep out of the out of i believe it was uh, marvin mims and it's like you just that flag gets thrown and whether you you know whether you like define it in like the strictest way imaginable which i still think is pass interference but even if you're like well he did this and he did this and that's okay it's like i watch so much football and i know whether or not it's like letter of the law i know what a what a penalty looks like. I know what pass interference looks like. It's the same thing it, with the MVS play. It, yeah. Well, and that's what I was going to say. And it's funny because that, that play happens at the end of the fourth quarter of a Sunday night game. And it's on the shows the next day, right? The talking hedge is like, was this pass interference? Like blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, like the same exact play, by the way, yeah. I mean, listen, it's never going to be the exact play. Like I always hate when people are like, yeah. well, that play got called. It's like, well, like pretty damn close to the same play first quarter of the game. And it's like, yeah. So Broncos end up punting. And I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the way in that game, right? But it's like them punting and the Texans getting the ball back then or them going 
three and out, kicking a field goal, and then kicking the ball off to the Texans. I don't think it was going to drastically change the rest of the game, but it was going to end up three points more. I mentioned, obviously, the fumble where they strip C.J. Stroud. Everybody on the Broncos is around this fall. A guy literally jumps on it, and it, like, squeezes out from underneath him and goes right back to the Texans, and they punt the ball, and then two plays later, or maybe it was a play later, Russell Wilson throws an interception. Like, again, you fall on the ball, and you don't do anything on offense. You kick a field goal there. Yeah. And like, that's the field goal that we need to make that game go either one of those situations, right? Pick one. And that makes the game go from five to two when the Broncos have that late drive. And so instead of there watching like the Broncos like crawl to try to get that final touchdown, it's like, no, actually, they just run out the clock, kick a field goal, and just win the game outright. Or they don't, and they cover by losing by two, right? Like, that's the tiny, like, the razor's edge element to all of this stuff. So when you're saying like, okay, well, how do I handicap that going forward? If I look and I saw Russell Wilson threw three interceptions, he sucks again. And like the Broncos didn't cover. And like, now they go to like LA and LA shut out a team. It's like, it's very easy to talk yourself into the chargers conceptually. But when you just watch the games, i.e. every single play of both games, like directly in front of me on the two biggest screens I have, and you're just sweating every play, like you realize like, man, I might not win this bet, but like I was on the right side here. And like, that's going to happen. That's okay. Unfortunately, it happens in the two biggest games of the day at the same time, which is like, as I'm trying to like, you know, pump uh, college football spreads into a, into an iPad spreadsheet. But like, you know, you just go, okay, like for next week, does anything about these two games that I'm watching play by play change anything that I think about next week? And the answer to that is like, no. And it's it's my money. Like, I, if it did, I would be like, okay, let's hit the Chargers. Or yeah. like, hope the Chargers get down to minus two and a half. Like, no. The Broncos are a playoff team and the Chargers aren't. And the Broncos are going to win this game. And honestly, I think they're going to beat the Lions in the week after. And we're going to be having some real Sean Payton. Uh, this is last call for Sean Payton Coach of the Year potential uh, tickets here. As he got a little bump back up to, I think, 20 to 25 to 1 just because they lost to the Texans, which I get because D'Amico Ryans and things of that nature. But, like, you know, we'll see when it all kind of, you know, uh, comes out here. I, I, I think I told you this last week, man. I'm betting on the Broncos every game the rest of the season until the ship just absolutely crashes Titanic style. Yeah, and that's the important lesson, too, that I've found that has helped me throughout the last couple of years make some more money is like being not being swayed by the final result as much, like understanding the process of it all. And just because the Broncos didn't cover last week, does that mean you're wrong about the Broncos? Yeah. Right? Yep. Different things, different things going on. But anyways, we'll keep it moving here with what I like to call a mid-off. I'm going to start calling some of these teams where it's just like, who are these guys? What's going on? Even yeah. though this has big playoff implications, obviously, but we got the Bucks at the Falcons. Falcons at home laying two and a half points. And I guess like the, the Falcons, I don't know what to make of the Falcons. And I also don't know what to make of the Bucks, if I'm being brutally honest here. And I feel like I should just take the Bucks and the points. But I feel like when I ride with the Bucks, Baker happens and they let me yeah. go. Yeah. It's so funny. I don't know here. I need to be talked into this here because this is a big game for both of these teams. So maybe it's as simple as who do we have more faith in, in like, Hey, this is a big show me game for the, you know, all the marbles, all the Tostitos, you know, <laughs> I love that. You're like, this is a mid off. And I was like, man, there's a lot of contenders for whatever game's coming next. We don't talk about the order that we're going to talk with. And I hadn't, I didn't look up and see that we, you know, you would put Atlanta already on the board here. And like, 
Yeah, my initial instinct was sort of like, yeah, Atlanta, you know, especially under a field goal. But then I was like, no, remember, like the Falcons are the team that can win this game without winning it by three points, right? Like they are, you know, if a mid-off, you know, if yeah. they're like the champions of the mid-off, they would win that game by one or two points, right? Like this is a Correct. mid-off championship. Um, there are so many mid-off teams. Uh, how about we bet on neither of those quarterbacks to have particularly large success? And we do a little thing called the teaser. And we take the Bucks up to plus eight and a half. Because on what planet are the Falcons winning a game by nine points, right? Like by two scores. <laughs> like, yeah. I'll try, you know, try me, right? And I, I mean, I realize I'm sort of daring them to do so. And obviously, it's the NFL, right? Wacky stuff can happen. Close games can become not so close games late. Um, you know, you mentioned Baker, but like, honestly, and this isn't because he's rising up the rankings necessarily in like dudes I trust. Yeah. It's more just like every other team is sort of slowly falling, whereas like Baker's just doing doing his usual deal, right? And he's got Mike Evans and he's never had a Mike Evans before. And it's, it's like, true. yeah, our offense might literally just be Mike Evans. And like, we'll run for two yards per carry with Rashad White. And like, you know, we'll just get down and like, we'll just somehow end up winning like this game. And I kind of think that's just what's going to happen here again. <laughs> but like, you know, I kind of just rather use this game as a teaser leg. I'll probably yeah. have some Buccaneers, you know, like, man, if it ever went to three, like auto Buccaneers at that situation. And mm -hmm. so when you say to yourself, like, I'm automatic on the Buccaneers at plus three, yeah, I should probably be at least sort of leaning that way plus two and a half. But like I said, at two and a half until it goes down to two, which like, who knows, it might at any moment. Let's get that thing up to eight and a half. We'll talk about a game that you can tease that with here uh, coming up a little bit later on. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, we'll keep it moving with the Colts as one point favorites in Cincinnati against the Bengals. Jake Browning, get your Jake Browning jerseys. Let's go. He, we, we talk about our barriers here and he showed to be a, more than functional 354 yards and a touchdown 32 of 37. At least, at least what I know is they have a really good coach that came in with the game plan that had him didn't put him into like too many difficult scenarios, which if you look at the NFL at large, Having a good coach is difficult to find. <laughs> so I look at this and I say, speaking of mid-off, the yeah. Colts would also be in said mid-off competition if there was like a mid-off in-season tournament. Like mid-off elite, though. This is like, <laughs> this is teams that are like, you could make the case are good-ish. Ish, you know? right? Ish. Be the key word oh, there. totally. Ish. I like the Bengals yeah. here. I like the Bengals here just because I think that their defense... I, I still like their defense as a unit, and I feel like maybe that'll be able to slow down the Colts, especially as they struggle with their running attack. But overall, Jake Browning showed me to be functional. He showed at least through one game that he's not going to lose them the game. So I'm on the Bengals here. Yeah, and people got really wrapped up in that first game against the Steelers where it was like, oh, his only good completions were off deflections and like blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, we talked about this last week, like as if that's some sort of a rule that like that you know, that has to go the other way the very next, the very next week. And so it's funny, I, you know, I wrote about the, that game, the game against Jacksonville for the score. And the, the bet that I kind of came down to was the over. And because I was like, I think the Bengals can score against the, against the Jags. And it's funny how, you know, if you talk yourself into that type of a bet, a lot of the time, the total and the side sort of correlate. Yeah. And, but it was just like, well, the market has gone from eight and a half when I think we, you and I talked about it on the show last week to 10, 
over the course of the weekend. And it was just like, man, no one wants the Bengals here. And it's like, yeah, it was kind of think the Bengals can score. Yeah. I'm like, I kind of think the Bengals can score in this game. And it's like, well, if I think that, but I don't want to be sort of against this move towards the Jags, even though 10, like, man, it seems like a lot with the Jags. Um, like, okay, I guess like, I think they're going to get a couple of touchdowns here. And I'm a little bit nervous about, you know, them not covering that kind of sets up like a 28, 14, 31, 17 type of game. So like, let's take over 39, mm-hmm. 39 and a half. But it's like, then you watch the game and you're like, Oh yeah, they're moving the ball. They're scoring. And it's like, why didn't I take the plus 10 in right? As somebody who is more, you know, apt to bet aside than a total. And so I look at it and I go, okay, well, what's changed for the Bengals? I mean, one, getting another game under his belt. You talked Jake Browning after the game said, they asked him like, what was the difference? And he's like, literally just playing a second game, like having that experience against the the Steelers the first time, which is a game that they were competitive in from Mm -hmm. at least on the scoreboard perspective. Not that that's like some crazy accomplishment against the Steelers, but I don't even know if that's going to be that crazy of an accomplishment against the Colts. So I think I'm with you here because I looked at that uh, Jake Browning's numbers, even against the Steelers. It's like completion percentage is pretty high. Uh, Wasn't turning the ball over hand over fist. Wasn't fumbling the ball, right? Which you get into scenarios, as you mentioned, or sort of as, as you alluded to, with the coordination, right? If the coordination of the offense is, yeah, I need you holding the ball a long time, or I need you to make multiple reads or all that sort of thing. They got out there in the first quarter and it looked all very basic, like wide receiver screen, wide receiver screen, almost kind of felt like a rope-a-dope situation. When in the second quarter, they're like throwing the ball like down the field. But the other element is like T Higgins is back and he didn't like light up the, the stat sheet necessarily, but like he draws some attention away from Jamar Chase. And he caught key passes for first downs late in that game and in overtime. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, is against the Steelers, Joe Mixon had like 15 carries for like seven yards or eight carries for 15 yards or something along those lines, right? Like basically like a complete zero if you had him in fantasy that week. And they're like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to involve Chase Brown, the yes. rookie at Illinois, Canadian kid. And he is like about 11 times faster than Joe Mixon. And like, I realize Joe Mixon has served, serves his purpose, short yardage, like that kind of thing. He's pretty clearly not going to be on the Bengals next season. It's going to be one of those situations where is anybody going to kind of, it's going to be a Dalvin Cook situation, to be honest with you, where you're like, I thought he was good. And it's like, yeah, well, it goes pretty quick when it comes to a running back. You then see Chase Brown taking off like he has like been out of a cannon right? Getting shot out of a cannon. So I just look at it and I go, okay, there's a couple of different explosive players there beyond Jamar Chase, who by, you know, by the way, is still like bleeping awesome. And I don't think his yardage total this week is going to be in the fifties anymore as it was the last couple of weeks where he's gone over really, really easily. So yeah, from an offensive standpoint, it's like, okay, like I don't hate the Bengals um, against kind of, you know, quote unquote, mid defensive teams. So then it's an element of the defense. And you mentioned like the Bengals defense that is like, it's so crazy because it's like Lou Anarumo and like the coordination and like, he's always been so good with the halftime adjustments and this, that, and whatever. And then the, obviously the, the pass rushers and Hendrickson and Hubbard. And, you know, it's so like, there should be some, some skill on that side of the ball, but then you look at the metrics and like, basically dead last in against the pass from a yards per attempt standpoint dead last against the run from a rushing and then you watch them against the jags and like actually that was pretty good if they weren't trying tyler boyd like pass plays and jamar <laughs> and jamar chase pass plays like they might have you know that might have been actually a relatively comfortable victory for the Bengals. of course it helped that you know trevor lawrence got hurt late you never know what what would have happened even if they were trailing if lawrence could bring them back but now it's a game against the colts who literally like 
probably should have lost that game pretty easily last week, except for the Titans couldn't block uh, on a on punt coverage, right? Couldn't block uh, on you know punt block coverage, I guess you would call it, right? And the Titans special teams coach literally got fired the next day for it. And so it's like speaking of things that you can't really rely on week to week is like blocking two punts for ten points in a game that went to overtime that, you know, you made one big play in overtime and then, you know, got down close enough to get a touchdown when you were down three points in overtime. I mean, how often do we get the, you know, team goes down three points and still ends up winning, uh, winning the game in overtime. So, um, you know, uh, both teams kind of a jump and hug game. Like we always kind of have to be on our P's and Q's when it comes to the jump and hug game, but a second road game for the Colts here, I think is probably what gives the edge to the Bengals who get to come back home. And, you know, you and I talked about it last week where it's like, you and I think the Bengals are probably out of playoff contention, but the Bengals don't think that they're out of playoff contention, right? Like you're still looking around at the standings and being like, we're better than these teams sucks that we don't have burrow, but like we are, we, again, this is them saying this, like we're better than these teams. And I think the Colts are a team that they probably think that they're still better than. Hell yeah. And they are, we're getting a point with that team. And so, yeah, like as much as I looked and I, you know, we talked about this last week, I'm like, I kind of like the idea of the Colts this week. And I hope that the Titans win so that we get a better number on the Colts. We get an underdog number potentially with the Colts. It's, that's not what's happened here. And honestly, like I was kind of disappointed with the Colts inability to take advantage of the Titans defense, right? They, they certainly took advantage of them from a special team standpoint, but yeah. the, you know, but the pass game was only kind of okay. A couple of nice long uh, passes, along completions to Alec Pierce. So, um, yeah, a little motive, a little uh, momentum, you know, and a little bit, you love the momentum, a little momentum for the Bengals here um, at home, um, you know, in probably a do or die game for them. But, you know, I don't think the turnaround is too tight necessarily for them this week against a Colts team that, like, I'm still not particularly sold on. And if you told me that Gardner Minshew turned the ball over three times, I would probably believe that more than I would that Jake Browning turned the ball over three times this week yeah for sure Gardner Minshew was celebrating like he won the chip last year for sure and I can't lie I am a little salty as I was on the Titans last week yeah and Um, again another like I don't think you were on the wrong side right it's like you were expecting them to be able to block the defense on a punt right correct you went into that game going I think they can get some punts off today I wasn't expecting the punter to get hurt. And then you got Tannehill in here holding a punt, holding the, the extra point or another goal. really. Yeah. And I my even, guy misses. And yeah. it's like, really? Never, like you, yeah. We never, we never had yeah, exactly. Yep, right. All of the above. I absolutely Football. expected the punter to get hurt when I saw him get hit. No. Yes. <laughs> you, watch that, you watch that guy get hit. You're like, well, that guy's never coming back. <laughs> I, I, there was part of me that also felt bad for Tannehill. Cause it's like, you haven't done anything in a long ass time. Right. It's like, you know, you got to come out here and be the holder. Like yeah. I'd be shook. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, I don't do that. When did I done that? When did I say Tannehill's got more experience as a wide receiver. <laughs> as, as a holder i mean as far right. as i know i don't know maybe he has been holding in practice but uh yeah. super insane super yeah. insane finish to that game but yeah just another reminder kids football yeah um the jags at the browns browns at home favored by three points and i'm on the the jacksonville jaguars here i'll say this off the front end uh, my question obviously is we know trevor lawrence is hurt high ankle sprain. I'm assuming this is the non Trevor Lawrence line that we're seeing here. Uh, but on the flip side, if that means we're getting CJ Bethard versus Joe Flacco in this game, electric, like I'm laying three points with Joe Flacco 
at home here. I don't know if that's a spot I want to be in, to be honest. Interesting twist to this. It has nothing to do with gambling. Yeah. My fantasy team is in a very tough spot this week as my two quarterback league. I have to start two guys. I need to win to make the playoffs. And of course, Trevor Lawrence goes down. So my choices are <laughs> Jameis Winston or, or Joe Flacco. <laughs> Joe Flacco, C.J. Beathard, Jameis Winston, ah. Zach Wilson off the top row. Like, it's an electric factory. Or Mitch Trubisky. Forgot about oh, him. It's an electric Jameis. factory of options here. I think that's Jameis. I think oh, that's yeah. No, Jameis, no, no. Jameis, like, it's Jameis go time. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to eat Mitch. some W's this Sunday. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, you get to post a meme in the chat group. Like, that's, that's wrapping all the Luda. Uh, but yeah, um, Jags at Browns, <laughs> Browns favored by three. Sorry. Yeah. Like, well, we're just juggling ratings, right? Like for both of these teams in the same way we're juggling, even just talking about this game where, okay. Like, I guess, you know, you're gonna look at the score for that Browns game last week. And we, we had a feeling like they weren't going to play necessarily great. We obviously have some issues with their defense. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I talked about, um, my article that last week taking the Rams about how the Browns defense on the road is not all that it's cracked up to be. It's not even very good. Mm-hmm. You throw in an injury, you know, kind of hampering miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, you're going to have a hard time stopping the Rams. And you know, they did and they, they hung in there for, for a while and it was very kind of sketchy. And then Joe Flacco eventually threw the interception. That <laughs> is the reason that we were betting against Joe Flacco. So like, do I want to lay points with Joe Flacco as a concept? No, like I do not. I do not. Um, but do I want CJ beat hard um, in any circumstance here? I do not. Uh, did I not pronounce it correctly? Um, I don't want. I don't want CJ. I mean, Christian Kirk is out, right? So it's like going to be a lot of Zay Jones and Calvin Ridley bombs potentially. Your man's Parker Washington might be in our lives in a significant way. Yeah. But you're going to get the Browns in their sort of natural habitat, right? Like they are basically like a zoo creature. They need to be like at you know in this certain like climate. And they are in the, you know, this is a December Cleveland climate right mm-hmm. here, right? So I think the Browns probably win this game at, at minus three. Like, I think you take that, uh, you know, you give the Jags those three and you take your chances if you absolutely have to make a play here because there's just too much of a situation here where it's like Jags, short week, going on the road. Speaking of like literal animals that, are you know, shouldn't be in cold climates, Jaguars, you know, from a literal animal's <laughs> perspective or a figurative perspective are like way out of their depth here, right? Like it's a Florida team going to Cleveland when yeah. we already know that Cleveland's defense is just that much more effective or at least statistically more effective. And those are not even during December conditions, right? Like it was a windy day in September or, you know, like a brisk October afternoon. We're talking about December here. So like does Jaguars in December on the road sound appealing to anyone? Well, no, but neither does laying points with Joe Flacco particularly. But that being said, I was impressed with Joe Flacco. And I <laughs> up until the point where he threw that interception, which again, I was delighted by as somebody who was on the Rams, I'm sitting there going like, where does Joe Flacco rank in quarterbacks? And like, honestly, I was questioning how difficult quarterbacking even is in the NFL if you have done it before. And whether it's one game for Jake Browning getting to play before he can sort of get it figured out or, you know, get get noticeably better or like 20 years of Joe Flacco. 
It's like, oh yeah, he can he can run the tight end like leaking out of the you know off the right side on the mm-hmm. strong side and then leaking out the back side of the. He can run that play. He can run the play where the the receiver runs or the uh, running back I should say runs you know sort of a circle route and, and gets open. And by the way, he can also throw it super super deep. So it's like. You know, I don't know if the winds and the conditions in Cleveland are going to allow anybody to throw it super deep necessarily, but like, yeah, man, I think the Cle- I think I want to find a way to play play Cleveland just to win this game. Maybe this is like a money line with the Dolphins parlay or a money line with one of these like big favorites that basically have no chance of losing. Um, which again, I think is probably the best example of that is the Dolphins. So this is maybe tying. Uh, tying a Browns money line to the Dolphins on Monday type parlay situation. Cause no, I don't want to lay points here, but if you have, if you're picking a spread, which you are doing, I would take the Browns here and, and dare the Jags to win on the road um, or, or sort of come very, very close to it. With CJ Bethard, who with, I am, with, yeah. who I'm familiar with from are. his, his days with the Niners. And I thought that's why you're picking him. You're like, I like CJ. I saw him in practice. I saw him in, in preseason. He can sling it. I thought that's where you're going to. Definitely like. not a thing. <laughs> I judge you by how you work with Shanahan. If you can't work with Shanahan. Do not um, get me started on that. <laughs> He's be the Brock Purdy MVP candidacy. Oh, I'm, I'm mad at myself for not bringing that up when we were talking about the Niners. That has to be, as someone who watches the Niners, that has to be one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. Like, what point of Debo, like, literally yeah. living up to the name of Debo, <laughs> right. Deboing through the defense twice yeah. for, like, 60 yards, and yeah. your takeaway is Brock Purdy's MVP. <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah. Like, how, how does that make sense? You know, every which way but loose. And it's like, you know, I think the most, it's like people have forgotten what MVP actually stands for. It's like most valuable player. Like, I, I, like I give Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy credit for honestly probably being the guy who takes the 49ers from blank to winning the Super Bowl. But Garoppolo. Jimmy, but Jimmy Garoppolo was, was the guy who went to the Super Bowl and like cannot find a job essentially in the league. And I don't think like he got worse. I mm-hmm. think he just stayed Jimmy. Yeah. And like, that's the circumstance. No, no, no. He didn't right? stay Jimmy. He got away from Shanahan. But that's what I mean. Like, yeah, right? I mean, <laughs> he was always just Jimmy. And he was Jimmy under Shanahan or Jimmy under literally anybody else. Now, again, yeah. the Raiders being something of a mess. But it's like, if he was good, he would still be the Raiders quarterback. Yeah. Right? They would have fired McDaniels and he would still be the quarterback. And it's like, no, Jimmy Garoppolo stinks. And they made the Super Bowl because, like, Kyle Shanahan is awesome. And, by the way, like, so are, what, five all pros on either side of the ball, <laughs> potentially? Like, what are we talking about here? And and, but the Caffrey, other part is... Kittle, Williams, Ayuk, Debo, like, uh-huh. Warner, uh, Greenlaw, Bosa, Young, like... Buck, the funny part is talking about here? the season already has taken place in which Debo and Trent were out and McCaffrey was banged up. Yeah. And if Brock Purdy was MVP, they might've won at least one of those games. Yes. yes. I, again, I know it all comes back to the, that time where he had the concussion and it was like, he might not start this week. And then it's like, Oh no, he is going to start. And like, we were this close to a Sam Darnold start. Yes. And I just like once, man, I just want one Sam Darnold with everybody else trying and just to see, I don't think it's going to yeah. be the same. I don't want anybody to think like, Oh, you're, you're trashing Brock Purdy. I think Brock Purdy's awesome. He yeah. is not the most valuable player in the NFL. Like no. let's give our head a bleeping shake 
And I don't they can, I, I honestly, I think they do win the rest of their games. The Baltimore one on Christmas or Christmas night is going to be sick. I don't know who's going to win that game. That would be really interesting. Honestly, I think they go 14 and three, but if you're literally telling me just because they went 14 and three, Brock Birdie has to be the MVP, then we have absolutely mega lost the plot on this entire situation, which yeah. we've already lost the plot on the Heisman trophy, but don't even get me started on that. Yeah, it, it, none of it, none of it seems to make sense. And my, the thing that I hate the most about it is it seems that like you have to shit on Brock Purdy, which is not I, no. the point, right? No. Like, and that's what huge I mean. props like, to him. He's doing his job. He's following the reads. He'll step up in the pocket. He'll yeah. make accurate throws between the numbers. You know what I mean? And it's like we used he, to make fun of Jimmy because it was like, oh, Jimmy's thinking. Yeah. You don't want Jimmy thinking, right? And he would immediately like turn the ball over. It's like Brock Purdy can think. And that's honestly the difference. He can think on his feet. And it's like, that's awesome. But it's you are amazing. not the number one most valuable player in the entire league when you can hand the ball off 25 times to Christian McCaffrey if you just wanted to get in and out of a game, right? Like right. it's it's heinous. Sorry. Agreed. Uh, rant over, but that's okay. We understand. Panthers at the Saints. There's no MVPs in this discussion of this game here. Saints at home laying five points. I mentioned could be starting Jameis this week in fantasy. So let's go Saints laying the five points. Give me the Saints. That's not really why I'm taking the Saints here. The reason I'm taking the Saints here is because they're playing the Panthers and the Panthers covered last week. You talked me into taking the Panthers last week and they covered. If, do I have that right? I'm pretty sure yeah, I have that right. No, I yes. And uh, the pick was switched. But now I gotta say, you might have to talk me into it again because <laughs> Derek Carr banged up. Doesn't seem like he will play, which means it's Jameis time, as mentioned. I'm not even sure though if that makes them better <laughs> or worse. It With makes the them team, interesting. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah, yeah, it makes them more interesting because I know Jameis will make things interesting. Boomer mm -hmm. bust. Saints minus five. That's where I'm at. So I think a lot of people will tell you that like Carolina on the road, five point underdog, like against a mid, you know, a mid NFC South team. Uh, we like Carolina last week. Why wouldn't we like the, you know, the Saints this week? And there's a handful of reasons. One of the things was for the Buccaneers last week, and you could see it coming down the pike is that they were really, really banged up defensively. It was literally like a, a former Pro Bowl list of guys who mm -hmm. defensively were out for the Buccaneers. And the Panthers were coming off of, you know, firing the coach and getting some, you know, J.C. Horn back and a couple other sort of depth guys in the secondary. And you saw the market move. Like when we talked about it, it was five. It moved down to three and a half. Luckily, none of that mattered because they got a two-point conversion. By the way, speaking of like the knife edge of 50-50 plays, they got a touchdown shortly after, by the way, like a ball that defied the laws of physics that somehow got to one of the Panthers receivers on a fourth down, you know, 40 some odd yard gain from Bryce Young. Like if we're being honest about it, mm -hmm. listen, they might have gotten another possession and, you know, been able to get a touchdown and a two point conversion later on in that game. But that game came down to a ball like virtually going like through the arm of a Buccaneers defender and like somehow, I forget the Panthers, uh, Panthers receiver that caught it, but some like a ball that like you wouldn't expect a mid wide receiver to ever catch, yeah. and like that got them the conversion down to the towards the goal line. They get the touchdown, the two point conversion, right? All that stuff had to happen for them to cover that game. So like, 
that was one of the other two that I needed that, you know, the, the four o'clock games that I was sort of waiting on. And of course it was a little bit less, you know, obviously the money still counts the same, but from a contest perspective, it was a little bit anticlimactic from, you know, uh, for, for that week. So like in theory, you'd be like, well, if I liked it that week, I should like it this week. One saints don't have that same defensive injury type setup Two, Jameis Winston is one of the very few backup quarterbacks who sort of on paper is probably maybe not as good as the starting quarterback. But when he comes in, because of sort of the uh, equity or sort of the whatever that he has in the locker room, his teammates are kind of like, okay, (laughs) all right. Like, I don't think Derek Carr is like, man, we got Derek Carr. We're about to go to work, right? But like when Derek Carr goes down and he's not pointing at people and like, coming off the bench like he's going to do something like he ever you know he, he's the most he always looks the most confident for a guy who never does anything right it's like okay hamlet on here we go that's Derek carr and everybody's looking at Derek carr like i don't think so dude <laughs> whereas Jameis, like the guys in that locker room remember florida state Jameis, right and while there aren't any mvps in this game there are a couple of first round you know first overall draft picks in this game and so people respect that i shouldn't say people the guys i think on that team on that offense they respect Jameis because i think chris alave knows he's going to get a couple balls thrown his way deep right yeah. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna, hop, we're gonna push it down the field so while Derek carr is bummed out because Juwan johnson's not catching the like check down and the ball ends up in the lion's hands and that's what turns that game from seven nothing with the saints ball to 14 to nothing he had guys open deep Jameis isn't checking it down, right? <laughs> Jameis is going for that ball deep. Now, I don't know if Jameis is going to make that throw necessarily. I don't know if that ball is going to get connected. Give the but receivers that, a chance. But that's what makes it more interesting. So there's so there's a more, yeah, and exactly. And there's more possibility that Saints win by a significant amount than there ever was with Derek Carr, right? Derek yeah. Carr was, how do we keep this game close and find a way to win late? Jameis Winston is, we're going to get this thing figured out early or we're not right, and it's going to be like, does it does the ball bounce the wrong way or it doesn't? So like, this might be one where like you're a quarter in and you're like, we got this, but it also might be one where you're like, nope, <laughs> bad scene, Jameis is a problem, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I happen to think it's the latter because yeah. that Panthers game again, I was I felt really kind of fortunate to get out of there. I was impressed with the Saints' willingness and ability to almost come back in that game against the Lions. And then the other thing from a market and the number standpoint, like we mentioned the Panthers element to this, how is this that much different than Saints-Bears from four weeks ago? Where the mm-hmm. Saints are like minus nine, right? I'm not, like, I'm not saying they should be minus nine or that we wouldn't absolutely be betting yeah. on the, the Panthers if they were minus nine. But like under a touchdown, if it was under a touchdown, of, you know, what, five or six weeks ago against the Bears and Tyson Pageant, I'd have been betting the Saints that day. And I would have covered because the Saints won that game by seven points and the Bears weren't able to get the ball basically past half in the second half. Mm -hmm. Why are the Panthers going to be able to get the ball past half in the second half, right? Is Bryce Young that much better than Tyson Bagent? We literally saw them both on the same field on Thursday night a couple of weeks back. We know that there's probably not that much difference between the two. So, like, it's crazy to say, and I wouldn't be saying it if Derek Carr was starting, but, like, that guy's so banged up and mangled at this point, like, Honest to God, why would you bring him back out there? I like the Saints. I think the Saints win this game like pretty comfortably. Let's go. <laughs> I'm with you. I like it. Jameis, you know? Maybe Jameis just runs it for the last like month of the season and like Jameis Winston comeback player of the year starts becoming a thing. Let's oh go. Oh my God. What a time that would be to be alive.
What a time indeed. We got the Texans as five and a half point favorites in New York taking on the Jets. Can't believe I just said that. Texans road five and a half point favorites. Um, who's playing QB for the Jets? That's my Doesn't question. Matter. Don't really know, but I will say I don't think it's going to be a man's boil. And yeah. as long as it's not him, I feel like I can t- I'm going to take the Jets at plus five and a half because I just need someone to like not be as bad as Boyle and just yeah. move the ball, run the ball, hit some check downs, you know, and the Texans can get out of here by winning by a field goal. Everybody goes home happy. I tell you, I for one am shocked the Tim Boyle thing didn't work out. <laughs> Just, I mean, you look at the guy's college stats and like, how did this not work? Out? It's like, what else would would one expect, right? Like, yeah. Remember, like Ben DiNucci? It's like yeah. Ben DiNucci had a more storied career than Tim Boyle. It's just like, what, what was the thought process? And all he can't even lace up Tommy DeVito's cleats. Totally. Oh my God. Tommy DeVito's so much better. And so it's like, okay, no Tim Boyle. So when I say like, oh, it doesn't matter who the Jets quarterback is because we already know what the worst one is. (laughs) Right. And so like Simeon's better. Mm-hmm. Zach Wilson is better. Obviously, commotion about whether Zach Wilson's interested in playing the rest of the season. You know, people give him a hard time because he may or may not have said that he d- doesn't want to doesn't want to play anymore. Like, wouldn't you? You know, what I mean? like, <laughs> wouldn't you just be like bleep this? Like, what we You're forget doing- how much football hurts, right? <laughs> yeah, like- man. Yeah, and like by the way, like he's getting cut. He's moving on to another team, hopefully for him next year. And like I don't think playing with this Jets team with this Jets offense is necessarily going to prove to anybody that like they need to take a chance on him. He's going to just have to do that in workouts and like catch on with a team as maybe a third quarterback and like be good in you know a new system and, and in practice and in training camp and all that stuff. So like him playing and potentially getting hurt, it does him no good. I don't even really blame him all that. Problem is he I probably blame, does. I blame Aaron Rodgers. Problem is, problem is Wilson does probably have to play just because on reputation in this league and like how this stuff works. But listen, Marcus Mariota quit last year and all of a sudden he is the backup quarterback for the Eagles and people are saying all kinds of crazy things about the potential of Marcus Mariota in that yeah. offense. But we'll leave that for another day. So all that is to say, I agree with you here on the Jets because the Texans and maybe I'm just like refusing to believe it as the Texans rating goes higher and higher and higher. And they are up over the league average, you know, the part with the, essentially the, the range that we thought that they probably shouldn't get pushed past. They are up past that. We talked about like why that might be a little bit of fortune um, against the Broncos, you know, obviously a heavy amount of um, home games here on their schedule recently. Now they go outdoors, no tank Dell, who is a difference maker in that offense. And when he got hurt, the offense kind of dried up in a lot of ways for the Texans, right? They can't run the ball. So it's going to be all CJ Stroud all the time on, again, December conditions, et cetera, et cetera. Like we make fun of the Jack- Jacksonville, the Florida, the Jags, and, and them going to Ohio. I don't know that a Texans, you know, Houston, Texas team is supposed to just go into the cold and just like light it up against, again, a pretty good Jets defense here that, again, maybe it's Trevor Simeon again. You know, who who knows who's going to be the quarterback, but this feels like a 1070 type game. Like that, you know, the the Jets can kind of keep this one close. And man, if they turn CJ Stroud over the way they did Jalen Hurts a few weeks ago, I know this is always kind of the case people make for the Jets. Like, oh, they're gonna get it done now. But like we're finally at a point, I shouldn't say finally, but like we're at a point here with this line where being up over three 
leads to a lot of possibilities where the Texans manage to pull this game out, but don't cover. And there was a lot of money that came in at plus six when this line opened at plus six. And I think that had more to do with the fact that the Texans are probably a little bit overrated right now, especially with the injuries that they've had. Didn't even mention, right, offensive lineman that was injured lat before last week, uh, Ty- Tyus Howard, if I'm not mistaken there. Like, that's going to be a problem against the Jets' defense on the road, right? A little bit easier at home when things are a little quieter. Hopefully it's a little bit louder um, in the uh, in the Meadowlands uh, on uh, a Sunday game, on Sunday. Yeah. I got you. Jets plus five and a half is the move there for sure. We keep it going with the Vikings at the Raiders. Vikings laying three points. Vikings road favorites at three points. Both teams are coming off a bye, and I I get that, but I still can't. I feel I feel like I'm in a tough spot. I need you to convince me into why I could lay three points with the Vikings. Because I look at that and it, and I start with the Raiders. And I need to be convinced here that the Vikings should be laying three points on the road here. I got to tell you, something's going to have to happen between now and Friday for this, this game to show up in my weekly best bets article in one way or another. I can't, I don't understand any of this. Very weird. Uh, Okay. Justin Jefferson's coming back. Okay, cool. Totally get it. <laughs> we also might have Nick Mullins as the starting quarterback in this game. Like, it doesn't look like it's going to be Josh Dobbs. And so, like, whether it's Dobbs, who, like, by the way, if he's playing so badly that they are thinking about Nick Mullins, like, that's a bad sign, mm-hmm. right? And if the idea is, like, we need to start somebody who's going to best get Justin Jefferson involved, that's probably not Jaron Hall. Though I would love to see Jaron Hall play again. I was kind of, again, I was bummed out when he got hurt in the first quarter of his one chance. And then, like, what's left is Nick Mullins, which is just like, if Nick Mullins was good, they wouldn't have traded it for Josh Dobbs, you know, in in the first place. And so I just go, how are they, you know, minus three here? My numbers come out to basically where this line was last week, which was like, Vikings minus one, essentially. Right? And so I just... Yeah, I don't know how I don't know how we're here. Um, the uh, problem with the Raiders is like they are following that path that I thought they might follow, right? Where it's like big you know, coach bounce off of you know the the firing of the coach. You get that for a couple of weeks. You get that for a week. You know, you get a win there. Um, helps that the Giants you know lose Daniel Jones in that game. Then mm-hmm. I believe they won the next game as well, if I'm not mistaken. But that was a forget who that was but then they go to miami right and they're still like playing hard and they cover that game but you could tell like they were getting out gained in that game and it was a bit of smoke and mirrors but they almost you know it was a win against the jets so they beat the giants and they went against the jets and they went to miami right and it's like cool you beat the jets that's i was gonna say some janky below mid team that's right and like i still kind of can't believe they even won that game even though you know the it's the jets Mm -hmm. And then they go and they compete hard, but don't cover against the Dolphins. And then they come out really well against the Chiefs, but then the Chiefs kind of blow them out late. And I just yeah. kind of worry that, like, you can sort of see that sort of vibe, for lack of a better term, kind of falling back down where, you know, they're going to, it's going to be a point here where, like, it's all kind of run out, right? And it's just kind of like the writing is on the wall as far as the season is concerned. I just don't know if that's this week. Or whether that's like literally maybe next week when the Chargers come to town. Or maybe they just keep the vibes right, right? And they get a win as underdog here. And then they beat the Chargers, who again, I don't really think all that highly of at this point, right? Like, 
And then they go and they get trucked again by Kansas City the next week. Like, there's just so many different ways the Raiders can go. And there's so many literal different ways from a quarterbacking perspective that the Vikings can go here. That, like, you know, I'm not going to talk you out of Vegas plus three. But, like, again, something wild has to happen between now and Friday that makes me go, like, yes, this is the side that I absolutely yeah. want. I mean, to me, it's just never the Vikings. And it's just like, I don't know, maybe some, maybe a little, maybe a little Raiders plus three. I don't know. No, I hear you. A weird one there for sure. Uh, when in doubt, take the point. Hey, um, <laughs> yeah. Sunday night football, massive matchup in the NFC East. You got the Eagles at the Cowboys. Cowboys at home laying three and a half points. Sheldon says Philly plus three and a half. But the reason here, because I'm going to say this is odd. Because I like the Cowboys in this game, but it's the hook that's making me hesitate yeah. on the points here. And, you know, the Cowboys, it's the hook and it's Mike McCarthy. Because I always need to remind myself of the Cowboys beating up on bad teams and Mike McCarthy being a bad coach in close games. Yep. I think this is going to be a close game late. I do not trust Mike McCarthy. And that makes me lean towards the principles of taking the hook here in the Eagles plus three and a half. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Chicken and an egg situation for me um, here because it's not tough for me because I like, I have long been a, a proponent of the Cowboys. This mm -hmm. is relative to the marketplace, right? Mm -hmm. So when you look at it and you go, okay, the Eagles are this price to win all this stuff. And the Cowboys are this price to win all this stuff. I would, I think it should be about even, and the Cowboys were way, way, way like lower or better priced, right? Longer, priced, yeah. longer odds. So I bet all that stuff, whether it's Dak MVP or this, that, or whatever. And then I wait and I wait three weeks and all of a sudden, guess what? Dak and Jalen Hurts are in the same spot, roughly along with your man's Brock Purdy uh, <laughs> for league MVP. And Dak is here for, you know, passing touchdowns and yardage and CD Lamb is in the mix and all the, all of this, you know, stuff. And it's like all of that stuff is essentially coming to a head in this game. Uh -huh. And so when I talked about it last week, how this was going to be the biggest bet of my season, it isn't just the game, right? It's the, it's the leverage that all of this other stuff hinges on. And the look ahead line, as we talked about last week, was minus two and a half. Uh -huh. Well, minus two and a half, Shell, which one were you taking? I would have taken the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, of course, at minus two and a half, that was going to be a big bet. Three little bit less so. I mean, it doesn't matter. It, you know, yeah, you make yeah. that big bet and it lands on three, you get your money back. So like no harm, no foul. Three and a half. Now all of a sudden there's a lot of ways that this game ends three, especially with this absolute moron uh, <laughs> coach of the Cowboys who's throwing the ball on third down into the end zone as if a touchdown there like gets you really anywhere relative <laughs> to like what you're risking against the Seahawks late in that game where it's like just run the ball get tackled 40 second 45 a sec seconds come off the clock then kick the field goal and by the way you might even dare i say get the first down to end the game like it was wacky why he, yeah. he, he was going but it's like he, it's not the first time he did the exact same thing against the chargers yeah on the monday night game a couple of weeks before that and so it's like, it's not like somebody said to him, hey, man, like you screwed up that play. Like, don't do like, this is how we want to play those going forward. He literally did the exact same thing as if they have like the bizarro 
analytics guy telling him to do the exact wrong thing, like a sleeper mm-hmm. cell from, for, from the Eagles or, or the 49ers telling him to do all the wrong things to like somehow screw up this team that like probably should be a lot better or a little bit more dominant than they necessarily are, especially from a defensive perspective. But you go, okay, well, why did it go from two and a half to three to sort of, it's kind of minus 3.25, right? So like you're paying a little bit of juice to get minus three, you're paying a little juice right now to get plus three and a half, but for the purposes of this thing, right, you, I, I, I can allow that you'd be you know, able to get plus three and a half in the market. And the problem is, is like, that was all kind of the story last week for the Eagles against the 49ers, where it was like, no, this number should really never, almost never be minus three for the 49ers. But the scheduling circumstance is such that like the Eagles, you know, as much as the 49ers want to crow about winning that game, like that's not indicative of what might happen in the playoffs because you're going to be on more equal terms uh, in the playoffs. Now, of course, the idea is the 49ers have better rest because they end up getting the first seed and they get to play at home and and you don't have to ever go back to Philadelphia. Right. That's obviously the key to that game, which sucks for Philadelphia because now they're on their fourth straight kind of showdown game here, right? Where you had Super Bowl rematch, the best Bills that you were ever going to get, the best 49ers that you're ever going to get. And now you've got the the Cowboys on 10 days rest, right? So thematically, as we've talked about throughout this podcast, these are the situations that like, yeah, man, that's how they end up losing by 25 or whatever it was last week to the 49ers. Because by Mm -hmm. the end of it, there's just like, you know what? Run the screen to Debo, fine. Like we can't get... (laughs) Like, we're going to tackle him? Like, come on, right? So I don't think the Cowboys are going to win this game by 25 because, unfortunately, McCarthy's such a dope that they're probably not capable of doing that. In fact, they're probably capable of winning this game by 10 and having him screw something up to the point where the Eagles maybe kind of get a backdoor here. The problem is, like, I still don't know. This is going to sound really, like, crazy, but, like, I don't really know if the Eagles are quote unquote that good. Like, we talk about the advantage that they have by playing essentially first and eight in every on every drive yeah but again like you go back to last season and it's like you know i don't want to beat the dead horse here but like look at the schedule that they had last season what they are able to do with that schedule is is commendable but then they get the break of and again the 49ers can tell me that they were going to win that game if brock Purdy doesn't get hurt i can't tell them that they're wrong yeah. but what i can tell you is it would have been a lot closer than having no quarterback Right. So it's like a pretty fortunate situation for the Eagles. Right. And then obviously the Super Bowl, everybody's going to get up for the Super Bowl. They did a nice job of competing and almost winning that Super Bowl. But now you're starting to see this season where there's some holes in the in the easy games that they've had. Right. Where it's like, oh, man, things got a little closer against the commanders twice than we ever kind of thought possible. And they won pretty convincingly against the Dolphins and people got kind of excited about that. But that was kind of a nice situation for them schedule wise where like they got the home field advantage against a Dolphins team that isn't quite sort of, you know, fully baked, if you will. Right. As far as, you know, some of their personnel, et cetera, et cetera. And then it's like now they're playing in these tough games and people are sitting there watching the game against the Chiefs going like, is this is this team good? And then they win the game. You're like, okay, cool. And then you're watching them against the, the Bills and you're like man, the Bills are like working them over pretty good. And then they win the game, 59-yard field goal and like pulling it out. And it's like all very cool for the Eagles. Don't get me wrong. But it's like, man, watch, you know, if you watch every single play as its own unique play, like they are not better than than those two teams. Yeah. And they certainly weren't last week against the 49ers. So I just sit here and I'm like, would I be shocked that that the Cowboys win this game convincingly? And like, am, am I going to just not take 
you know, am I not just going to bet minus three and a half? It happens. Listen, I've already bet minus three. You guys probably already figured that out. But like, am I not going to take this minus three and a half in a contest because I'm worried about the hook? It's yeah. like, I've got already, I've already got so much committed to the Cowboys anyway. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah minus three and a half, like bleep it, man. Like just, I'll, I'll take that. That's like, guess what? It's going to be one of my five plays in a contest, no matter what the point spread is. Cause I don't want to feel like an idiot when they win this game by 20 points, like the 49ers did last week, but people get scared away because this probably isn't going to be the point spread in the playoffs. If it gets to a point where in the second round, the Eagles have to come to Dallas, that number is going to be two and a half. You're going to have a scheduling, you know, the same scheduling, you know, level playing field, if you will, from a scheduling standpoint. But that's just not what this is. And we just saw it last week where like the schedule is really kind of beaten up on the Eagles, a thing that they never really had to deal with last year. So it's not really light on the Eagles. It's just like, man, like sometimes like it's the NFL, man, the schedule is going to, you're going to have a soft portion of your schedule. You're going to have like a tough portion of your schedule. And by the way, the Cowboys are coming up on that tough portion of their schedule, starting with this game. But that's the point. One's starting and one's finishing the tough portion of their schedule. Mm-hmm. I kind of, um, you know, I'd rather take the team starting the tough point portion of the schedule. Yeah, I, I hate this game, but I can't wait to watch it because I don't know awesome. what will happen. I will be, I think I'll be primed to in-game this in-game bet this game one side or the other once we get going uh monday night football we got two games on monday night randomly oh, here don't no know what's one going knows on. why no one has but any idea the, why the titans at the dolphins dolphins laying 13 points at home that's a lot of points i know miami beats up on bad teams but again what are the rules here do the titans have a functional offense and a functional qb and again, we're talking about the Dolphins defense. I'm on the Titans plus 13. I think they do have a functional offense. I mean, mm. it'll be interesting to see. I, Miami's defense is very interesting to me. I, I'm interested to see how this game plays out. Could they win this game by two touchdowns just based on offense, not being able to keep up? Cool. But I don't like to bet on that, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah. Uh, give me the Titans in the points here plus 13, because that's also the starting point in the double digit spreads. And if you have to talk me out of it, that's what we do. I think I'm going to try to talk you out of it, man. I think like, I think the Titans that game last week, you know, we, well, a couple of games last week, right? Like think about the commanders. I think of the Titans the same way I think of the commanders right now. Ooh, I like that. Where the commanders were like into it at the start of the year. And it's like, Sam Howell doesn't stink. And like, you know, we won a bunch of games or like four and three or something along those lines, competitive with the Eagles. You know, if those two games go, you know, a different way, which they very easily could, you know, all of a sudden the commanders are have six wins. Maybe they don't trade Chase Young and and Sweat. Um, But that's not what happened. Right. And, And it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, like against good teams, like the defense is one they're um, they're just a mess from a coordination standpoint right fired uh jack del rio and then basically refused to double team tyree kale or at least at, you know at various portions in that game against the dolphins and honestly the dolphins probably could have hung another 70 if they really really were dying to in that game against the commanders in by the way like conditions that like we're not supposed to like the dolphins in right kind of scummy like december rainy like type conditions it's like no it wasn't a problem at all and so I look at the Titans and I go, how is that not the same thing where it's like, Will Levis, we got something here with Will Levis. And then it's like, well, a couple of losses. Then, you know, like a close loss, obviously, last week where like the punting, you know, obviously all the stuff that we just mentioned, right? And then you look up and you're like, we are in dead last in this division. 
<laughs> and that will actually probably serve us well for next season and that they'll get the last place schedule, right? Where you end up getting the Raiders instead of the Chiefs and you end up getting what the Jets instead of, or the Patriots, a rebuilding Patriots team um, other than, you know, those other teams and, and Aaron Rodgers, Jets and a, and a Dolphins and Bills. And, uh, you know, you get like whoever ends up finishing dead last in the in the uh, AFC Central or excuse me, AFC North. Um, I don't still don't know who that might be, uh, but, you know, it might be the, you know, Kenny Pickett again. Right. So, like, you kind of just go, all right, that was kind of maybe our last hurrah there. And having watched that game and and, and watched the game against Carolina and we talked about this last week, I was watching that game against Carolina, hoping the Titans covered. They covered and it was the opposite, of, I think, of what we were talking about with regards to the Broncos um, and uh, you know, and the Patriots where it's like, we won the game, but I'm like, I don't really want anything to do with the Titans here going forward. Mm -hmm. And 13 sounds like a lot of points right up into the point where you're in Miami on Monday night. And it's just like the most fun the Dolphins have ever had in their life. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they score again against the Titans defense that is not good, especially against the pass. And you go, like, what are the Dolphins going to score here? I mean, isn't 42, like, a very reasonable, like, number for just the Dolphins? The Titans sure, are going totally. to score more than 28? Yeah. I, I, you know what I mean? Like, it seems like 40, you know, 35, let's say 35. Like, isn't it 35-17? Yeah. Which is, like, almost, like, that's almost a moral victory for the Titans. Like the defense, it's not old Titans where it's like Vrabel, like special teams and defense. Like, well, we already know the special teams is like not up to snuff and the defense isn't any good. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, neither is the motivation. This isn't week three where it's like, we still got a chance to like do something here. Yeah, no, for sure. The pick has been changed. We are switching gears here to the Dolphins at minus 13. Minus 13. Yeah. Uh, we close things out here with another Monday nighter, the Packers as six and a half road favorites in New York, taking on the Giants. I understand the Packers are rolling here. I get it. I understand it. I still need convincing in terms of taking them to lay six and a half points on the road against the Giants team coming off a bye. And I know it's still Tommy DeVito. I understand it's still the Giants, but but coming off a spread or coming off a, a buy on Monday night, my initial lean here is to take the Giants and the points. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm with you here. It's probably going to go horribly wrong because it's a New York team in prime time at home, and it always sounds like a good idea, and then isn't. But you know, again, from a valuation perspective, right? It's it's a little bit tricky because like I like the Packers. I like what I've seen from the Packers. That's why we were on the Packers last week. That's why I thought they could win last week, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is also a very tough spot where you go from home Sunday night game, like all eyes on us to we now got to go to the Giants, a game that we think we can win. They probably can and probably will. Mm -hmm. Right. But you got to do so by margin instead of just like hanging in and like we would have been content. I mean, technically, we would have been content if they had lost that game against the Chiefs. Right. If they had lost yeah. by three points or whatever from a point spread, you know, betting perspective. So. You know, you know, again, it's another situation where it's like Sunday night game, like wasn't necessarily jump and hug, but like a feeling really good, pat yourself on the back type situation of that game, which by the way, I don't know that we're going to see Christian Watson in this game. And he was a pretty significant element 
And by the way, he's a guy that we kind of were hoping to get involved in the season here for the, you know, for people who thought the Packers might have a decent chance, you know, to do something this year. And then like, guess what? He's like the key guy on some pretty sweet, you know, nice catches to beat the Chiefs. And it's like, okay, he goes out and it's like, yeah, they have a bunch of other good guys on that team, but it's a road game. It's a game against a Giants team who is rested. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, if Tommy DeVito gets hurt, what was the plot print plan going to be in the in the past you know, weeks. It was going to be pretty gross. They at least, if something goes wrong with Tommy DeVito, have Tyrod Taylor back in, uh, you know, for this game. So it's like, you have a little bit of a backup plan here, quite literally, but like DeVito, we talked about it. Like same thing with Jake Browning, these guys who, by the way, had a lot of experience, at least taking snaps in college. It's like, you just give them another game, give them another game, give them more practice, right? Give them a week's worth of practice. How about two weeks you know, with that bye week of practice. And it's like, they should be able to do just enough here, I think, to make this competitive. We're going to have two games on Monday Night Football. I don't know, by rule, one of them's got to be competitive. I don't know if that's actually the rule. But like, listen, it's an experiment here where I don't think the competitive game is going to be in Miami between the Titans and the Dolphins. I think it's going to be competitive here, here. I like the Packers to win this game. But six and a half is, you know, it's based on a rating that has been boosted up because of what happened last week with uh, against the Chiefs. And over the course of this season, that might bear out. Because honestly, I think the Packers can very, quote unquote, easily win the rest of their games and get that six seed. Maybe even give the Lions a run for their money for the division here. If uh, maybe the Lions lose this weekend to the Bears and, and then, you know, have to go to Dallas in a couple of weeks, right? Like it shapes up where we could get a little bit interesting here down the stretch. So I think, you know, this isn't a slant on the Packers. It's just, we're talking about six and a half. And by the way, like you probably get seven at like a minus 117 price, mm-hmm. you know, seven cents, seven bucks for, an, for to go to plus seven here from a betting perspective. I think that's, you know, somewhat valuable. Just makes too much sense here. And a good thing to pay attention to, as of course we know, these lines tend to change, especially if you tune back in on Monday to see where these lines sit. But in between now and then, where can the people find you online to get the whole grain goodness that you dish out? Yeah, buddy. Uh, at Emrus Authentic for all the celebrating and commiserating, the ups and downs that is a football week where you go from can't possibly win to can't possibly lose in the matter of just a couple of hours. But as far as a content perspective, uh, we've got a ton of stuff over at the score. Um, Talked about the college football, all 41 bowl games, what the point spread was going to be if all things were equal, what it opened at and what it is at least as of Monday afternoon. We've even seen some moves. You can kind of compare and contrast like where we thought the line should be, where it is now, that kind of thing. Uh, for all 41 games, that'll be up throughout the entire bowl season. Of course, we'll have bowl game-by-game um, game best bets for basically, I think, the plan is every single one of these bowls um, starting next week. And, of course, all the NFL stuff you can shake a stick at here. Uh, fun little plug here. We're working on an article. I don't know when it's going to be up necessarily. I'm going to try. I think I can predict every point spread for every wild card round game in the playoffs I think I can do that right now. So I can tell you what the point spread is going to be between the two and the seven in the AFC. Don't even know what the teams are, but I Mm -hmm. think I can predict what the point spread is. So we got an article going up at some point about that. You'll be able to, you know, we'll have that. 
Um, and then you can be able to compare it in five weeks from now. You'd be like, how wrong was Russell? How right was Russell? All that kind of fun stuff. So uh, going to try also predict when the uh, games are going to be. The 4-5 or five on the Saturday afternoon is the 2-7 going to be in the uh, Sunday night game, like that kind of fun stuff as well. So um, that should be fun for uh, for people to check out over the, over the course of the next month. I got you, my dude. And for me, you can follow me online on the app, formerly known as Twitter at Shell Alexander and on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. Lots of different stuff going on there. We got raps, post game shows. We got the DVP pod. We got the you killed it pod. Great season of the challenge going on right now. I don't know if people are into that, but I am and it's fun stuff. Lots going on. Just follow the accounts for all the updates there. And of course, like and subscribe to this pod wherever you get your podcast because you know where you can find us, the places that you're listening to this now. Tell your friends, help them. You know, it's Christmas time. Everybody needs a little extra, a little extra cachet right now. So why not tune in? And as I always say, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the Clutch Pick Sports Betting Podcast. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya.